coaching can help you gain deeper understanding of challenges that may be holding you back. You may not realize that there are others who may be successful and operating successful businesses who share some of the same challenges that you are facing. Welcome to Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. Our program will look into the individuals and their challenges and show how the coaching process may be what they need to find the root causes of these challenges within themselves and learn to work through these challenges in order to find success. Now, here's your host, Ronald Graves. Hello, and welcome to Coaching for Real, brought to you by Poema Leadership Institute, the show that brings you real people, real challenges, and real breakthrough. Again, I'm your host, Ronald Graves, and this show is all about you. Coaching for Real is on the Voice America Business Channel to help you discover your masterpiece and live into your greatness. Let me ask you a question. Who do you believe a coach is? What do you believe a coach does? There may be as many different answers to those two questions as there are listeners right now. You might know someone who is a coach. You might have your own coach. Or you might know someone who has their own coach. The word coach is used to describe a number of different people. There are sports coaches, life coaches, business coaches, performance coaches, and many more. Why do they call what they do coaching instead of, say, teaching or training or leading or consulting or even mentoring? What do all these people have in common? Well, you see, beginning very early in life, we're taught that everything we need to learn can be found outside of ourselves, such as from our parents, our grandparents, or other relatives, our teachers, our friends, our travels, and from places like books, videos, television, and radio. And then later in life, we learn that the classroom, from the internet, blogs, podcasts, seminars, workshops, conferences, and so forth. And we learn from people who fill the role of teacher, author, trainer, manager, leader, consultant, mentor, etc. And that's all good because everybody should be learning and growing every day. And there's an unlimited amount of knowledge to be found all around us. But for the challenges you're currently facing in your life and in your business, there is one source of answers other than God that is far superior to what we can find in the world of knowledge, and that source is you. Let me explain. Understand that you were created to be great. There is a masterpiece, a poema, within your DNA that is just waiting to be discovered and unleashed. And that is what coaching is all about. Unlike teachers, consultants, managers, and mentors, who are all very important, a coach enables you to develop a greater sense of self-awareness so you can see your challenges from an entirely new perspective and, and draw upon your internal greatness to reach the next level. Coaches do not bring you the answers because they know that the best answers lie within you. So let me explain our show format. Our guests are real people, business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, just like you, with real challenges just like yours. After we introduce our guests and spend some time getting to know them and their business, most shows will feature a live coaching session designed to help our guests achieve real breakthrough, just like we all want. Our guest today is Dr. Gary A. DePaul. Gary has two decades of experience as a manager 
and scholar of management, has worked as a manager for Fortune 500 companies, and consults with organizations to improve leadership practices. He's the author of the book we're going to discuss today, Nine Practices of 21st Century Leadership, a guide to inspiring creativity, innovation, and engagement. Coming in next February, he will self-publish his next book, Crack the Leadership Development Code, and then in the fall of next year, 2017, he plans to publish his third book, Culture Growth. Welcome, Gary. How are you? Hi, Ronald. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Great. Thank you for being on our show. Gary. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. Good. Can you walk us through your business career and just take us on a little journey and tell us how you arrived at where you are today? Yeah, I, I did not start out my career in leadership or writing books or speaking engagements. I started my career at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, and completed my doctorate in continuing education or more specifically around performance consulting. I, I graduated from the Department of Educational Organization and, and Leadership, which gives you an idea of, of the type of stuff that I did there. I started my business career as a practitioner at Arthur Anderson, where I was an instructional designer. And interesting, I was, when Arthur Anderson shut the doors and folded, I was the last employed instructional designer or educator in the whole firm, which is kind of interesting. I went on to Johnson Controls, where I worked in their learning and development department. I did some knowledge management stuff for them, and I started my management career at Fidelity National Services, where I created a new department there that focused on performance improvement training, and knowledge management. Later, I went to Ceridian, uh, where I became in charge of uh, three departments that reported up to me, the training department, quality assurance, and knowledge management. And after that, I went to Lowe's Home Improvement, where I worked in the learning and development department there. And while I was there, I was in charge of the training for the store employees in the kitchen and bath areas. And uh, later I was in charge of the enterprise-wide onboarding program. And in 2014, my job was eliminated and I sat down with a nice severance package and tried to figure out what I wanted to do. I started out doing the traditional job search and ended up talking to some people, a, a, a consultant named Jim Hill, who told me, Gary, just think big, do something big, step out on your own, do something courageous. And I took what he said to heart. And from there, I talked to a lot of people, got a lot of support and decided to start my own business and write my first leadership book. And since publishing it in 2015. I've been doing speaking engagements and uh, some consulting and just getting that practice started. And uh, it's been going great ever since then. I'm loving it. Well, that sounds great. Um, 
I know there's a lot of people out there who, when they kind of make the decision to jump from the corporate world into their own business or their own uh, entrepreneurial uh, venture, um, they have a lot of trepidation and they are a little concerned about what they're going to do for uh, income and whether they're going to jump in big or do it part time or what. And you, it sounds like that decision was already made for you. Um, and and speaking to Jim Hill um, and getting his advice, did you? Um, how did you? You know, basically just decide that I don't want to go get another job. I'm going to go ahead and do this. And if you could do it all over again, would you do it exactly the same way? Or, or for those who are out there in that same position, what might you do that's different? Yeah, great questions. The, with Jim Hill, when I was talking to him, I was considering doing contract work and um, trying to, to get to work part-time. And, you know, I, I really didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And between my conversation with him and talking with other people, whether I should do this full-time uh, as a business and try to get it started, everyone I talked to was extremely supportive. They thought, go for it. You can do it. You have enough experience. And um, so that's what I ended up doing. And what's interesting is back around 2000 and. Uh, nine, I was asking, I asked people the same thing when I left Ceridian, should I go back into the corporate world or start out on my own? And almost everyone said, don't go out on your own. It's not good. <laughs> the, the, be just because of the economy. And, and uh, that was a good decision to stay in corporate America, joining a large uh, Fortune 50 company. Uh, and gaining some more experience. So what what really got me going was two things, having the experience and having a basic plan for what I can do to get started and having some financial support with the severance package that I received to help me get me there. So if if someone was go if I had to do stuff over again, uh, there's there's a lot of mistakes that I made, and I think I would want myself to go through those same mistakes again, just because I need to experience that to really develop and learn um, what I need to be doing as an entrepreneur. The things that I wish I could have done better is have a better understanding about the IRS and taxes and deductions. And um, so th th on a practical level, uh, if I had known more, why I know now about taxes and how to manage all that, I would be in a better financial place than I am. But I'm, I did pretty well on my own, and it, it was a good learning experience. Great. Well, I'm going to change the subject just a little bit and ask you, what made you want to become an author? Yeah, it wasn't so much wanting to be an author. I mean, I guess part of me always wanted to write a book and, and be an author. What really did it for me was the what I discovered. And I've, I've been doing a lot of reading and research on leadership, particularly in the past um, four years of my professional corporate career. 
before I went out on my own. And I started to recognize some changes in how people think about leadership. And it wasn't until I got into reading about servant leadership with um, uh, some of the some of the books out there. The Servant is one of them. Uh, James Hunter's book that I really figured out that you know what there's there's something going on here. There's some patterns in some of these books, and I think I could do some more research and write about them. And what drove me was this story that I started to develop about how leadership is radically changing in the 21st century within the, in particular, in the last 10 years. Um, so that's, that's what drove me. And once I made the commitment and went full force, that's what I focused on. And by the, I left Lowe's in May of 2014 and I had my first draft of the book done by January uh, of the following year. That's pretty, that's a pretty short time frame. Pretty, yeah. I guess you could say you pretty much spent full time at it. Yeah, I did. And I, I did have to keep myself uh, financially supported. So I, I did some contract work, um, subcontracting for a, a consulting company. And so in, in one month, I might spend a week working for them and then the other three weeks writing, or I would spend three days doing a project. Um, and then back to writing. So that was enough to float me over. And if, if anyone wants to go out on their own as an entrepreneur, there's really three things they really need beside, in addition to a support network. And some t- they need some type of a capital to get started, um, some type of a work project, a major one that is set up for them that could hold them over for about three to six months. And just be open to doing subcontract work just to get started. So those are those are some things that that help me spend most of my time writing this book. Excellent. So when we get we've got a commercial coming up in another minute or so, but when we get to the other side of that, before we get into the coaching process, I want you to think about um, and talk about a little more, not just to the writing of the book, but the publishing of the book, because I know there's various ways to do that. You got one way where you did it for uh, the dying practices of 21st century leadership, and maybe a different way you're going to do it for books two or even book three. So we're approaching our first commercial break. And um, so when we return, um, I will be asking that question of Gary, and we'll talk a little bit, just a little bit more about not writing, but publishing. And then we will begin our coaching session. So stay tuned, and we will be back in a couple of minutes. You are listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching, a designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters. 
compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness. Waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Welcome back. We're with Dr. Gary DePaul, who consults with organizations to improve leadership practices and is the author of Nine Practices of 21st Century Leadership. And we went on break. Um, I wanted Gary to come back before we start our coaching session and talk a little bit about um, the publishing process for a book. Writing a book is one thing, but publishing it and getting it on the market is another. So could you tell me a little bit about that process and how you went about it and then if there's anything different for your upcoming books? Yeah, sure. And there's definitely going to be a big difference between each book. So that with the nine practices, I had lunch with a colleague of mine here in the Charlotte area who had published a book on lean manufacturing and the customer experience. And I asked him, how did you find a publisher and what what was it like? So he explained to me how he went to CRC Press and worked with them to get his book published, how he went through the process of writing it and explained to me a little bit about what they do. I looked them up and started reading about the, about the, what it's like being an author for them. And I did not want to go out and publish my first book on my own. I did not want to have to add all the responsibilities of of the look and feel, the um, uh, the layout, and trying to trying to work with one of these publishing groups that helps authors get their books out there with self publishing. So I I wanted a little bit more support than I could have gotten on my own. And I think that worked out very well for me. I contacted the the um, contributing editor that worked with the leadership books, had a conversation with her, told her I, what I wanted to do. 
She gave me her proposal template. I completed it. She liked it. We we talked a little bit more, signed a contract, and then I proceeded to start writing. And uh, so that was that was how I got involved with them. Um, my experience with them was a little bit different than my colleagues, and actually, you know, two people that's published with CRC Press. What typically happens well, with those two is they wrote their book, the first draft, submitted it. The editors went through the process of uh, dealing with the style and grammar layout, and they submitted a proof to the, to the author. The author went through it once, submitted it back, and it was done. For me, the editing process started in January and did not end until July because I went back and forth trying to get the book as as um in the in in the shape that I wanted it and they were extremely helpful in that part of the process. So that was my personal experience with publishing the first book. So you want me to say a little bit of what's different in the next one? Yeah, give me a couple minutes on that. Yep. So real quick, um going with uh through Amazon, they have a, a create space is their uh print on demand uh, publishing company, and I'm doing it all myself, and I'm finding the process, now that I've been through it once, to be uh, a lot easier. They have some simple templates. The process is pretty simple. I'll probably pay them to do the layout for the for the cover in the back, just because the template's a little bit more technical than, than I, I would like, but it's a, it's a simple process, and you can actually pay them a small amount of money to do editing if you want them to do editing. Um, it's a, you're, but you're in complete control. You get a larger royalty than if you go with a traditional publishing company. So that's, that's the model I'm going with with the second book. And the third book, again, is a little bit different. It's, I'm ra- doing a fundraiser in February to raise the money to work with a company that has a strong distribution stream with airport bookstores and newsstands and libraries, but you have to pay all the costs yourself and they want quite a bit of money. So if I, if I can raise the money, I'll publish that way. If not, then I'll go back to create space and uh, the Kindle publishing and publish that way. Great. So three books and maybe three different ways of publishing. Yep. Excellent. All right, so before we begin, begin the coaching session, let me explain a few things here. Coaching engagements are very personal and very confidential. I protect the information discussed during my one-on-one coaching sessions with the strictest confidence. However, since this is a public session, I will honor Gary by using a slightly different approach than I would in a private session. I will focus on Gary's strengths, those things that set him and his consulting organization apart from the competition. This approach is commonly referred to as appreciative inquiry. If at any time Gary feels uncomfortable answering a particular question that I ask, he has the right to decline. One last thing, in the coaching client partnership, the client, in this case, Gary, is in control. Gary must give me as his coach permission to coach him. So Gary, do I have permission to begin the coaching session? Yes, Ronald, you do. 
All right. Thank you. First question, Art. There are a plethora, and I, that's probably the best word I could find for that, of leadership books on the market, including several others that talk about 21st century leadership. If I'm standing in a bookstore looking at a shelf packed with leadership books, why should I pull yours out and open it up? Great question. One thing about 21st century leadership, that is a topic where there's about 20 books out there on the market right now that, that talk about it. And as part of my research, I've had to go through all their books. And I found that the most, that the majority of them talk about traditional leadership, but say it's 21st century leadership. And, and at best, there's some that are, I guess, is a hybrid between traditional and how leadership is evolving. So my book stands out where I'm not, it's not about management. It's not about traditional leadership views. It's really about how leadership is changing in the, in the 21st century, you know, which is how I came up with that title. But what, what is interesting is that I focused on not on competencies, where a lot of books are on competencies. I did not focus on a narrative approach. I really broke it down and said, what are the behaviors that you need to have if you're going to be successful as a leader or practicing leadership and came up with nine general categories. And that's, that's how that, how the, the book is laid out. So if you're interested in not just why practice leadership, but how do you do it? That's why people would be drawn to my book. And it's really for people who are serious about leadership and want to, spend um, a fair amount of time studying it and developing it and continuing to grow in their leadership capabilities. Okay. You talked about the nine, the number nine. Um, yeah. I guess a couple of questions. How did you arrive at nine? And uh, um, can you give us a couple examples of, uh, of what they are? Sure. The, I don't know how, how it came to nine. It's just that's how I was able to categorize the, the different areas of, of um, these leadership practices. So it, it could, I could have combined some or I could have broke some up. Some are more complex than others. Um, but it really, it just felt right that, that there's enough difference between each of them with maybe a little bit of overlap in some that, um, that not having nine of them made more sense. Um, so that's, it's, it's more of a practical thing or just sort of like what I discovered when I was doing my research on, uh, on the leadership books and the latest, uh, publications and some examples, what I did, I tried to make it easy to understand what these practices are or just give people a general concept. So I used the similes, um, not, you know, sort of like metaphors, but they're similes and title them based on occupations. So the, the first one is called Analyze Like a Detective. 
And a large part of, in fact, when I met with my publisher, the first question she asked me is, do you talk about analysis and how to think through problems? Because the executives I talk to, that's what they want to find out more on and how they can get the people that work with them to do a better job of that. And the first three practices are around analysis and um, pulling things to diagnosis and trying to find key behaviors in the organization or that really need to be added um, and changed. So there's the first three are around that. Another one that uh, that's a little bit different is um, face. It's called facing the unknown like lions. And that whole part is around two things. It's around communication, and it's around. So it's around how how can I be a better communicator, listener, active listener, and it's also about hearing feedback. So if you think about 360 feedback evaluations, there's a whole section on that and and how you can find out how well you're doing as a leader. So each of these different practices talks about something unique and and gives very specific techniques that you can use to better understand the practice and where you can go to find out more information if you wanted, wanted to explore one in more depth. Very good, Gary. Thank you. Um, so if I'm still at the bookstore now, and uh, what am I going to see? If I pull your book off the shelf, what am I going to see besides what you've explained to us so far in your book that I won't see in any other books on the shelf, even the other ones that talk about 21st century leadership? Sure. It looks different. It, the CRC Press, they do not publish jackets. So the, it's, it's, they do a lot of textbooks, and it has a very textbook feel to it. So it doesn't come across as your pop business type book where it's 200 pages um, that is mainly narrative. So that's, that's the first thing that stands out. The second thing is you'll see a lot of tables and figures where I try to summarize the concepts in a way for you to be able to picture what is going on with the um, with whatever it is I'm talking about to make it try to make it easier to to digest the the materials. And the third thing that you might notice if you look close enough, there's more than 100 leadership quotes uh, throughout the book that exemplify what it is that I'm trying to discuss where you have people like uh, authors like Simon Sinek, um, Maxwell, uh, the vital smart people, um, Greeny, and uh, David Marquez, another one. So there's all these quotations from these leadership authors that really help you understand the whole concept of leadership. Good. Um, you, you really... I had another question in mind, and you pretty much just answered that with what you were talking about, and that is, you know, what's going to motivate me to to take this book that I'm looking at here in the middle of the bookstore, and and instead of putting it back on the shelf and grabbing another one to see what it looks like, and I'll, I'll just take it straight to the cashier and, and purchase it. But 
the next step would be now, once I get home and I've got this book, uh, I don't know about most of you people, but you know, there are some good books and then there are other books where I read a couple of chapters and set it aside and don't get to it for another month. So what is it about your book that's going to be one of those, you know, can't put aside, can't set down and then, you know, every night I got to grab it and, and, and see what the next chapter brings? Yeah, the the reality is it is one of those books that people put down and take time away from uh, just because it's so rich with information. And I had a conversation with a colleague of mine who's a professor of astronomy, and I asked him, I don't know, maybe six months ago to, to read the book and uh, let me know what he thought about it. And what I what I found interesting is he, he said, this is not my area of expertise. And so a lot of it just, it was, it was challenging, challenging to think from a, I guess a, a corporate perspective where, where you're having to work in an organization uh, as a college professor, he tends to work uh, primarily with his students and not so much with his department colleagues. So it's a little bit different. And he, he said that when he got to the, the examples, and there's 27 um, examples in the book, vignettes if you want, uh, three, per, uh, three for each of the different practices, he said that's the stuff that really drew my attention and helped me understand so the the learning experience I I've learned I developed is that the idea of really boiling boiling down leadership and talking about really what it's about and focusing less on examples may not have been the best approach. In fact, using a narrative seems to be something that's really important for people to grasp the different concepts. In fact, there's a there's a narrative bias that we have um, built in that we tend to want to learn by narratives, and that's why a lot of these books that are um, um, that are that uses these stories, uh, even if it's you know there's one book out there about penguins, you know that tries to explain leadership. That's that's one of the th- reasons why a lot of those are very popular. Good. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We're approaching our last commercial break. And um, when you return, when we return, Gary and I, um, you as the listener will have an opportunity or a chance to participate in this broadcast. So stay tuned. As we come out of the commercial break, you'll have the instructions on how to call in or email. And uh, we will be back in a couple minutes. You're listening to Coaching for Real on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Imagine a relationship where you're asked to think rather than being told what to think. A relationship that is focused on your potential, not your performance. This is coaching, a designed alliance where the single purpose is achieving your intended outcome. Discover that what lies behind you and what lies before you are trivial matters compared to what lies within you. Understand that your current realities do not define your potential. They are merely your current awareness of your potential. Become your own hero. 
Your greatest possibilities lie beneath your current level of self-awareness, waiting to be discovered. Choose to live into the greatness that God created for you. Discover the magnitude of what's within you so you can conquer the magnitude of what surrounds you. Your coach is passionate about helping you achieve your masterpiece at RonaldGraves.com. Again, that's RonaldGraves.com. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also choose to send an email to ronald at ronaldgraves.com. Now, back to Coaching for Real. Hello. We're back with Dr. Gary Paul. We have a few minutes left in our coaching session. But before we continue, wherever you are right now, if your current date and time translates to 4 o'clock p.m. or actually 4.40 p.m. Pacific time, Thursday, November 3rd, 2016, then you are listening to us live. If not, you're tuning in to one of our rebroadcasts. I want to thank everyone who is listening. And if you happen to be listening live as one of our callers, um, you have a chance to participate in this show by calling in or emailing a coaching question for me to ask Gary. And I will get to as many questions as time allows. So you've, you've heard the, uh, the uh, call-in number and the uh, email. So I will continue the coaching session where we left off. And I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Um, let's, not, let's, let's move on from writing, publishing the book, to now the marketing process. Um, you're only as good, I guess, as an author as how many books you sell. So um, with regard to book sales, uh, where are you today, Gary, compared to where you thought you would be when your book was first published? Are you at 10 percent, 50 percent, 80 percent, or have you exceeded your original expectations? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, maybe I was naive or had unrealistic expectations. And I, I thought I would sell uh, n- not millions of books or hundreds of thousands or 50,000 or even 10,000. I, I thought I would sell a fair number. And actually, I was about at 10% of what I expected. And recently, I, I readjusted my expectations. And, and then I got the actual count of books sold. And it was it was a lot higher than I thought. But still way lower than when I first started this. Well, tell me, tell me what, um, tell us what strategies you employed when your first book, your book first hit the market. Again, this was your first time publishing your first book. So how did you get it out on the market to begin with? Yeah. So things I did was, um, 
I start, I, I, well, besides doing presentations and talks, uh, did some webinars on the, on the book. Um, I did a lot with social media. And the, the interesting thing about social media, if, for example, you, you've, uh, if you're using LinkedIn as a way of posting uh, stuff that you're doing about your topic, what I found is that the average LinkedIn person, they might get 50 views after about three months. Some of these other people would have, after one day, more than 100,000 views. And they, I think LinkedIn stopped showing the, the, the users how many views that, that are actually out there. Um, so it's, it's clear that some people have uh, a broader audience because of their popularity or, or whatever reasons, but um, it's tough even with, tr with using Twitter and uh, Facebook page to communicate to a lot of people that way. The, another thing I did specific with Twitter is I hired Promo Cave, a company that does um, um, online learning, I'm sorry, online uh, marketing to publicize my book at the beginning of, of this year. So in January and February, I had drawn about 1,500 people to my Amazon page using that service and that service alone, and that equated to about three books sold. So it was using using paid services and then doing free, you know, the regular tweets and the uh, Facebook postings for my author page. Um, those are things that I did to to get the word out. I published a couple of articles on com for their blog, and um, that raised some awareness. Um, but that's the extent of what I've I've done so far with this book. Okay, um, I'm going to go back a little bit. We, you know, you spent several months writing the book, and, and pretty much uh, as, as you mentioned to me, you um, focused pretty much on the book most of the time, except for that week, maybe a week during the month when you were uh, out doing consulting um, to earn some, some other income. Um, during that time, how much of that, let's say the percentage of that period, did you put into your marketing strategy? Yeah, it was probably about maybe about 10%. It wasn't until after I finished the first draft that I published a web page, created a Facebook uh, page, which is different from a profile if you're not too familiar with Facebook, and started developing that once the book was in the, re in the editing phase. So very little of it was, I, I did very little advertising uh, or trying to raise awareness during the actual writing period. Okay. What do you think prevented you from uh, achieving higher sales, particularly, you know, out of the box, so to speak, when the book was first on the market? Yeah, I, I discovered something recently um, and that has to do with Amazon. 
the, if you're going to sell a book, I found out that the price of the book really doesn't matter. What is one of the biggest selling points for a book is Amazon reviews. Well, I guess there's two things. And the first is Amazon reviews. If you have customers writing reviews and you're looking at a book and trying to decide, am I going to consider purchasing this? If there are five reviews, people tend to walk away. If there's 20 reviews, then yeah, that, that might be enough. But the experts that I talk to from Amazon, they say you really need about 50 reviews before people start looking at your book and being serious about it. And the, so, that, so the analogy that someone recently explained to me, it's like you're in Uptown Charlotte in a restaurant district at, at dinner time, and you're looking in the window at a restaurant and there's two people inside. Across the street, there's another restaurant that's pretty packed. And then there's one that is, is packed, but there's some empty seats. Which restaurant do you go to? The one with the two people? Or do you go across the street where everyone is? And the answer I usually get is I go across the street where everyone is because the, the assumption that if there's not many reviews out there, then it's a risk to purchase the book. The second thing real quick that I found is the title is not, it's a little bit academic and it doesn't really pull people in. So the, it's interesting is that the subtitle, um, a guide for inspiring creativity, innovation, and engagement, I'm finding out from talking to people that's a little bit more appealing than nine practices of 21st century leadership. So I think I went with a more traditional academic title than um, than I should have. Okay, um, understand that. I, I like that. I like the uh, subtitle. I, it, it just kind of gets gets you energized. So it does. Yeah. You know, you you're, you're pretty right about that. Uh, well, the book's still out on the market. I mean, you're, you're kind of splitting your time now between trying to sell more copies of your original book and your new book and the strategy for writing that and publishing that. Um, so what, what additional strategies can you use now going forward um, to increase the sales of the Nine Practices book? Yeah, I read of, um, on LinkedIn, if you're an author, or if you want to be an author, there are some author resources, some discussion groups for to help people. And uh, there's a lot of uh, fiction writing authors and uh, uh, some nonfiction writing authors that are members of this. And they all have good ideas about marketing and express frustrations with getting, getting reviews and, and such. And one of the things that someone posted on there, uh, they shared an article that said, if you publish a second book, that will help sell your first book. And if you get two or three books out there, you're going to increase sales of your other books. And I, I think about that and looking at Marshall Goldsmith, who is the probably the number one executive leadership consultant uh, coach, and he's published a number of books. The, his first books, I really, I'd never heard of. And his newer books, I'm very familiar with. 
and and I've read, but if if it was just if I just had visibility to their, his first book, I don't know if I would have gone to look at it. Um, so it's when he published more, there's a there's a perception that this guy is good enough to where he's written a couple more books, and so he must be pretty good. So I, I th- I'm thinking that having a couple more books published is going to help the sales with the first book. Great. And when is your uh, your next book due out? Is it st- is it on schedule? It's on schedule for now. It might slip a month. I don't I don't know. I'll I'll find out when I get a little closer. But I'm planning on having it finished by the end of December and published uh, at the beginning of February. And the okay. the one strategy I'm doing that's a little bit different. Well, let me first explain. The audience for that book is mainly training departments. So I've narrowed my audience, made it more specific that I'm going to target. And I have asked people to write Amazon reviews, and I'll give them a copy of the book. So it's like if I want the New York Times to review my book, I would send them a copy. It's the same type of concept. And Amazon allows it as long as the person writes in their review I, I received a free copy so that I could review this book. That's all they really have to say. And so I am offering 300 people copies of the book, electronic, and then the paperback version. If they will read the book during the month of January, assuming February, beginning of February is when it's published, uh, to read it. And then on the day it goes live to put their review online on Amazon so that there'll be a number of, um, of reviews initially. And I think I have about 65 people signed up um, to do this for me. And I, I learned this from a guy named Tim Grawl, who works with authors and does a lot of free services and has uh, uh, webinars and videos. And his big strategy when he's worked with people to get them to be a national bestseller in nonfiction is to do that. And one of his, his clients recently, his, their Amazon book, uh, book page came, became live. And on the first day they had more than 200 reviews and the book had sold out. And so you had to back order it. So the, I, Think that I think that strategy works. I don't know how well it's going to work with uh, with a narrow audience like this, but I'm going to find out. Um, I'm really excited about the third book because it's a narrative that uh, that's going to appeal to a broader audience, and I'm, I'm using the same strategy for that. I'm going to do a little bit more publicizing with that. Uh, that's the one I'm doing a fundraiser for. And I think that's going to have the, I think that book is going to take off. Great. Good strategy. Well, this concludes our coaching session, which lasted about 30 minutes, including the commercial break. Um, Had this been a private coaching session between Gary and I, uh, it would have lasted anywhere from 45 to 90 minutes, depending on who I was coaching and would have proceeded from beginning to end uninterrupted. Um, a couple of final questions, Gary. Um, how can your listeners contact you um, if they want to review your book or 
purchase the book that's on the market now? Yeah, they if they want to be a reviewer for either of those books, they can go to my website, GaryADePaul.com. So they have to type in, it'll, it's a secured website, HP, HTTPS. Um, they can go on the homepage. There's a link to forthcoming books. And once you go there, there's a link to uh, being a uh, receiving a free copy when it comes out. And it explains on there the process that they'll need to do to be a reviewer and how they would get their first book and try and talk through the timeline. So you can, you can contact – you can also contact me through the webpage. Or email me at gary at garyadepaul.com. Thank you. Thank you very much for being my guest tonight, Gary. I appreciate it very much. Thank you very right. much, too. You're welcome. Um, this show, Coaching for Real, tonight has been about you. Real people, real challenges, real breakthrough. If you are an entrepreneur or business leader, and would like to be a guest on this show, simply email me at ronald at ronaldgraves.com and tell me you would like to be a guest, and I'll send you an application. If you've been thinking about engaging in the services of a business coach, let me know. If you're interested in possibly becoming a coach, let me know. Send me your comments, questions, and anything else that may be on your mind I even welcome your criticism and suggestions. This show is about you. I want to hear from you, the positive and the constructive. Once again, that email address is ronald at ronaldgraves.com. It's been my sincere pleasure to add value to you through Coaching for Real. May the Lord bless you and keep you until we can meet again. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Coaching for Real today. Be sure to join Ronald Graves again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again very soon.